Hey, can you yell out by your wife? A little bit. Yeah, you're in that tiny apartment still. You're about to move to a house where we're going to have a studio. I'm going to drive down and bother you. I'm so stoked. It's going to be awesome. So you and you moving houses every four months is is negatively reflecting on the quality of our podcast. No, the quality is consistent. It's the frequency that's the problem. <laughs> Maybe that's true, too. And this every 10 days, uh, we have to be at a racetrack, uh, which hasn't happened for like 20 days. But so no, that, uh, that hurts too. In, in the last time or in the time since you and I were uh, in the same place or recorded a show together, uh, right. we went to Putnam. What was it, two or three weeks ago oh, now? That was the place that we recorded a show together. Um, we, we drove at Putnam and you drove the Fit and mm-hmm. I drove the Civic and it was awesome. So we, I was there only Saturday. You really only drove Saturday, right? Uh, yeah, because it was rainy on Sunday and I was trying to get my stuff back together and get on the road to get back home. So um, this podcast is partially brought to you by ApexTrackCoach.com, Apex Pro. Um, and you hooked me up with an with an iPod Nano. Is that what this thing is? It's an iPod Touch. iPod Touch. And uh, so it's the first time that I've actually been able to use the data. And I was talking to Andrew Rains about this the other day. First time I've been able to like effectively use the data on this stupid uh, Apex Pro because I'm an Android nerd because that's like what I have. And uh, I'm firing it up right now. But um, I was pretty blown away. Just last week I fired this iPod up again and I'm looking at the data and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. (laughs) So um, I drove, I'd never been to Putnam before and I'd only ever taken the Civic on track. Um, one other time, really. So those are my two right. main excuses. Um, yep. But I, I went out and I drove as hard as I could all day, trying to go through the data and get a little bit faster. And I had Aaron, uh, who is um, extremely talented behind the wheel of an automobile, Aaron uh, Lichty. set some reference laps for me. And right. he used the Apex Pro. And um, what did I, he get out of your car? Uh, Hold on. It was a uh, 21.6, I think. Yeah. This uh, is your 2000 what? Mugen SI? 2008 Mugen SI. Right. Um, it now has Fortune 510 coilovers and some uh, 245 Falcon RT660s. Other than that, it's, you know, Hawk brake pads and fluid, and that's it. Right. And he did a 21 six i believe and i the best i could manage was a 23 one so about uh, a second and a half slower than aaron and uh so i I probably had 40 laps at putnam and i bet you he has four thousand oh yeah he's a a member there too he's a member and he's driven and he listens to the show so i'm grateful for uh the the laps that he did but i can say that it uh, personally frustrated me that I did everything that I thought that I could to try and match his pace. And there were a few <laughs> spots on the track where I just like, I, I would look at the data and I say, I just, I just don't know how that's possible. Right. Like w- what turns are you talking about? Eight. Eight is the one yeah. that gets me so bad. And I'm trying to think of eight. I, I don't know the numbers. It's very that well. left hander. That's kind of, uh, like a fishbowl type and it's yeah that like downhill uphill like toilet bowl thing yeah, yeah. and yeah, i felt sucks, i felt like i was on <laughs> throttle as early as i possibly could and if you look at the two data traces right. uh it's as if his like steering wheel is fully open and the car's accelerating out and i'm just like stuck right it, so you weren't in the car when he said that lap though. no i wasn't um, did, did you get any pointers of like car placement and stuff for, from him? No? Yeah, he he mentioned a little bit about you know like uh, uh, getting getting off throttle a little bit to get the nose to to tuck down, um, and then use that bite to kind of throw the car through the corner. Um, right. But I just it was one of those things where I just couldn't do it. Dude, uh, so I'm looking at my fastest lap there of the day, which. How much horsepower does your car have? I'm just going to rub this in. Uh, 200-ish. <laughs> yeah. So what does a fit have? A uh, second-gen fit? About 100-ish. 
Yeah. What, are they, what does your car weigh? Uh, probably about 2,800 without like a, me. A second gen fit weighs like 26 without me. And I got a 27.7 out of my car, feeling like it needed all the setup in the world and it was terrible, which I was pretty happy with. That actually. track, I think. Uh, I don't think it punishes a super low horsepower car. No, I don't all. think so either. No, I, I really don't think it's it's that. It's not really horsepower intensive. There's that one straightaway, obviously. Well, that one straightaway, you're right. But even that brake zone isn't isn't a significant braking zone because no. I think you're rewarded with your ability to just chuck the car into turn one. Yeah. The, the, I think I was probably the only person to spin in our run group the entire day. And, uh, and I spun because I over chucked, but I chucked so hard <laughs> and like, then it didn't work at all. And uh, it was fun, but well, um, and I, I guess I had to kind of like, realign my expectations. I don't know what I expected. You know, Aaron drives uh, dozens of times a year, multiple weekends, multiple GLTC races, uh, gets all the opportunity behind the wheel that he can get. Um, It is unrealistic for me to expect to be anywhere in the same ballpark, uh, ballpark as Aaron, but damn it. I wanted to be. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, we we probably should try to do a day where he or somebody like him, some other alien, uh, alien force of driving like him, uh, drives uh, a couple totally different cars, and then we can talk about the comparisons between them. Because like, I mean, we're talking like, you and I had what a four or five second gap between each other, and our cars are very different. Like I've, I'm on two hundred five and one eighty five, one ninety five. I forget. Uh, I always I think it's 195 uh, rears uh, RT660s and you're on 245s or whatever. That's but, right. Um, but our your car weighs more. Your car has a little bit more straight line speed. But like, I think the fit is like inherently really good at things. <laughs> it's, it's like so mine is cut springs, which is something, uh, and a sway bar, and then really good brake pads. Like it's my the thing is unbelievable on the brakes. Like it's so good. Uh, G-Lock sent me some, I think there are 16s or something. <laughs> They're freaking so good. Whatever Danny recommended is what he sent. And, uh, uh, dude, it's, it's so ridiculous on the brakes. But it does feel like it's about to flip over. You know, it, it, so you, you hit the hard braking zone in the front straightaway, which is kind of a downhill braking zone. And there's a pretty hard right. It's sort of like a double apex right-hander where it's like right and then right some more, you know? which is one and two, but it's, you'd never stop turning really. And then, uh, so turn two, and then there's like the hard left, not really hard, but pretty hard left-hander, uh, which would be three, I think. Um, and the car feels like it's going to flip over in that transition. My car does. <laughs> it feels like it's going to roll over, but, but it's matted the entire way. Like the track was really fun for a super super low horsepower car i was really i was like super stoked about it um it was more, way more fun than i thought it would be actually well i guess when i look at that track there's uh, how many hard brake zones are there like none none like there are at other tracks that we're used to it's like 1.5 hard brake zones there's the the hard brake zone for that would be three four five like six or that'd be like seven turn seven i think the hard right before the downhill the turn eight the, like the toilet bowl thing mm-hmm. uh maybe that's six i don't even know but whatever the hard right is that's the second hardest braking zone for me and the rest of them are basically like like tapping sets in the fit but really um, really fun track to drive i enjoyed it i really I, I enjoyed it way more than i thought i would too like uh so emma and i left at like 4 a.m and uh I was concerned how she would do, you know, just kind of hanging out. And uh, she immediately became best friends with all the, with all the uh, Emil and uh, Maria Tab uh, offspring. So the, the Tab girls and her were buds. And then she ate some gas station pizza. We had some, on the way down, we had some McDonald's breakfast. So like it was the epitome of health for the day. Um, I forget what we ate on the way home. It wasn't anything good, and then in the middle of the night she barfed because and it smelled like uh, it smelled like like uh, uh, gummy gummy worms. So that was gross. 
That sounds gross. Yeah, no, it was super gross. I fed her. I fed her like a college student would feed like a a, a lost child that they found in the alley. <laughs> so, uh, but it was like, you know, she ate, she was happy. And then in the middle of the night, she just puffed up all the garbage. And then the next day, she was fine. So, um, well, we had a really good time though. We we got home probably about eight or nine. wasn't wasn't too long of a day. So, but that kid that kid had a good time. She was fun to hang out with. That's awesome. I took her to I took her to Mikey uh, the Mikey benefit day, uh-huh. which I, I think we're about to donate the money to Mikey, but it took a long time to like clear up the uh, like how much did this cost us and like get the settlement from city tickets and all that stuff. But um, it was a pretty successful day for uh, for our buddy Mikey, who I think he still has a GoFundMe out there. He had a stroke recently, um, but uh, pretty successful day, and we took her to that day. And she immediately glommed on to David Calzada from K Power Industries. Uh, his oldest was there with him, like exact same age as Emma, and they had the best freaking time, like running around giant trailers and stuff. So, turns out my kid likes going to the racetrack, which is pretty rad. So, um, since Putnam, you and I uh, missed SEMA, which is uh-huh. I think the first time in a little while that neither of us have been. I was pretty stoked not to go. I know you were like missing it, but I was like, man, this is so great. Not <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I would have much rather been there uh, to be honest. I was but, totally fine with not going. I have so much to do. Like my other stupid company is drowning in work right now. And <laughs> I feel like I'm dying. Drown, so. Drowning in a vault full of gold coins is what you're saying. But I have so much to do and all the like, that's probably true because once I do it all, it's all it's all paid for. Like this is all product that I just haven't had the time to put in, and we, we've we've paid for it all already, and we've got deposits on it. But man, I want to make some money by the end of the year. <laughs> so, I can't brag, but like I mean, it's gonna be a long two months. But yeah, I, I've uh, I've plenty of work to do, which is good, I guess. But it's um <sighs> yeah. So we were like buying McDuck a diving with gold coins. Dude. Yeah, man, that sounds cool. Yeah, man. Um, we're buying a house on Friday. Yeah, you you uh, since we've recorded, you haven't talked about it. You guys actually won a house in the Kentucky house options. Yeah, we won a house in the lottery. I I guess the lottery of here's my offer. Will you accept it? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was at work, and at about one o'clock, I got a notice that um, a listing had just posted up, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh. Uh, this was maybe like 25 minutes after the listing was live. And uh, I was like, wow, this this could work. And I text Ashley and she's like, yeah, that could work. And so at around five o'clock, uh, we went to go see it. And both of us were like, yeah, you know, this this will this will be great. Um, the only so thing. About- what are the things you're looking at? location and size and like the house itself. Uh, how much work for? needs to be done because we've, we've had two homes that we put a lot of effort into and like, I don't desperately want to um, like put years worth of effort into home improvement projects. You just kind of want to move in and like maybe paint the baby room. Yeah. And, and I like, I guess my perspective is we would have been willing to purchase something if we had thought that the asking price for that thing was consistent with what we thought its condition should have commanded. Right. You know what I mean? Like what we weren't going to do is pay a, an astronomical amount for a house that we thought was a fixer upper because you're willing to pay top dollar for something that you're like, this is worth top dollar. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, Instead of top dollar for like, Fuck, I have to buy $10,000 worth of paint and lattice. <laughs> well, and not, not just that, but like, oh, I need to redo all of the soffits and all of, you know, the gutters and I have to regrade the the property. And like, because... Yeah, $10,000 for I hate this house, like, sucks. Yeah. $10,000 if you're lucky, man. Um, no, I mean, you're paying half a million and you got to put ten dollars to $50,000 into something that you don't yeah, even want. Yeah, so like, we had looked at some houses that were... Uh, decorated beautifully. They were renovated on the inside of the house. And like, you could tell that they were going to get some traction when, when other buyers uh, came through and looked at the house. 
one of those houses uh, listed and sold the same day. And we looked at it and you could see where water had been standing on the property because uh, it wasn't graded properly and it was like running back into the foundation. Uh, and there was like a bunch of rotten wood on the outside of the house and the roof line. And I was like, okay, this is like, these are like issues that are important. Not like, yeah. you know, the, the backsplash was, was new subway tile. Yeah. It's just not the color that you want. Like, so you want to be picky about colors. That's it. Right. Yeah. Um, and what we found was a, like a, a normal sized ranch home. Uh, for the area uh, that conveniently has uh, a majority finished basement, but because it's a ranch, there's a lot of basement available. Um, yeah. The yard yeah, 2, is square foot house, get 2000 square feet of basement. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, the yard is not particularly big, which I'm excited about because I spend more of my workday commuting than I used to. And so like to take care of a large lawn is a sizable commitment. And you need to find available hours in the day. And you and I have lots of extracurricular interests and mowing the lawn is not one of those. Dude, I spent the entire weekend working in my yard. The entire weekend, all my free hours. So you don't even so need stupid. a yard. There's a park in your backyard. Dude, it was so stupid. I spent so much time doing landscaping and like cleaning stuff up. Like I worked until like noon on Saturday. And then I worked until seven in the yard. And then yesterday... Like from, from like one until seven, I worked in the yard and it's like, I want an apartment. This sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, don't even, I don't even have a big yard at all. <laughs> so, uh, everything about this house was uh, at least Ashley and I were in agreement that on a 10 point scale, this house is probably a nine. Um, nice. the only thing about it that I do not like is the garage is small. Well, it's a two car, but it's like not big two car. It's like uh, 21 by 21. I'm kind of curious what I have. I'm going to measure mine right now while we're talking, but uh, I don't remember. I bought this on the 15th. But the, the ceilings are to visualize what you got. reasonably high. And yeah, you said they're like over 10 feet, right? Uh, they should be like 10 and a half, I would guess. Right. Um, the ceilings are reasonably high. So what I'm going to do is... Uh, build some shelving uh, along the walls of the garage, but do it suspended from the ceiling rather than uh, being uh, supported like on the floor, uh, which right. is different from the last couple of houses that we've moved into. And in doing so, I'm going to try and put the shelves above my head height. That way I can get in and out of cars easily without like needing to, to uh, squeeze or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But I've, I've been looking into, and I think I'm going to do it even if it's a little bit more expensive. I'm going to do unistrut and threaded rod to uh, to build and support everything. I would still try to find some unistrut used. It's got to be used on Facebook somewhere. I mean, I'm, I've been looking. It'll be out there. But otherwise, yeah, that'll be a good way to go. What's, what's 16 plus 2 plus 5 and a half? Sorry, I can't hear you. 18. Can you hear me now? Yeah. What's a six? What's sixteen feet plus two plus five and a half? That's eighteen. Twenty-three and, and a half. half. So mine's just a tick over twenty-three and a half inside dimension. Let's see. But yeah, uh, going up with storage is huge. It's freaking huge. Well, the only thing that I'm concerned about, and I want to make sure that I do it right, is um, the joists in the ceiling. I have no idea how. Um, like how much weight that those can support. And so More I think what I'm going to do is just uh, use a piece of Unistrut to tie like, I don't know, maybe three or four joists in a row together for every place that I anchor uh, a piece of threaded rod. What is 14 plus eight and a half? 22 and a half. Yeah, I don't have a big garage either. My garage sucks. Well, yeah. Let me see my height. I think it's nine foot six. Yours, your ceiling isn't particularly tall. I remember that. No, it's not very big. My my lift is like a few inches. It is, uh, yeah, nine foot nine foot five. Um, yeah, I think like elevating storage is something people don't. Know. They just like don't do it, yeah. especially when you're like nine or more feet. I have a ton of shelving and I have a bunch of tire racks and I have a bunch of 
you know, I put everything up in the air that I can. And uh, it's a big deal. Like it changes the entire ability to use the garage when it's not on the floor. Yep. Big. So like realistically, I think the only thing that I want on the floor is the lawnmower. Yeah. You don't want to lift the lawnmower up. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't lift the lawnmower up onto something. But other than that, like, yeah, I think it'll take a little bit to work out, but this is, this is the first time that we've moved recently that, um, like we don't have a move out date that is uh, butted up against our closing date. Uh, right. the, the, the apartment is basically, uh, the, the lease says that you maintain, um, you maintain occupancy 60 days after you, uh, give notice to vacate and you pay two additional months rent on top of that. So, uh, we're in this place until the 21st of December. Uh, which right. allows us to be uh, a little bit more leisurely with with moving stuff. Well, I hope closing goes well. Yeah, closing I hope so. Weird, but you guys have closed a few times, and you're established humans, so it should probably be fine. Yeah. Uh, this so um, when the realtor called us after our offer had been accepted, so we wrote an offer on the day that it was listed, and it was also accepted on the same day. And uh, it was about 10 o'clock at night when the realtor gave me a call and she said, oh, congratulations. I bet you're so happy. And I was like, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> Ashley and I have bought and sold six houses um, yeah, in our lot. lifetime. And those are just the ones that we have owned, not, not anything uh, involving like my family growing up. And Good so, grief. That's a lot since you've been married. Yeah. That's <laughs> so many, dude. Yeah, so, you can fall out of love with this process real fast. Oh, dude, I'm. Uh, Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, <laughs> six. Yeah, I think. That, yeah, I know of three that you've been in, and I know well, I know you had an apartment in Chicago. Yep, get rid of that. You owned or condo or whatever they call it. So I guess I know of four. So let's let's do the count. One in Chicago, one yeah. in Ohio, one in Michigan. I never, yeah, I didn't know you about that. Yeah. Two in Indiana, and this is one in Kentucky. Now it's important to know that uh, with each one of those states, there was also an apartment living as well. Good grief, dude! Except for Indiana. So, like, I think we've had like twelve addresses in the last ten years. Yeah, you should stop doing that. I, you know, things happen. That's so many, man. But uh, I oh, have committed myself. Like it, it literally, it stresses me out. Thank I know. <laughs> but I've committed myself to uh, going through all of my things uh, yep. when we start to unpack. Because we've been living with only a fraction of our stuff for the last four months. Right. I'm going to open a box and I'm going to say what in this box is really important. And if it's not really important, then it's going to be donated. Yeah, you're going to Marie Kondo that thing, dude. Throw it away. It's going to be really great. Um, I think since we have known you on the podcast, you have lived in one, two, three, four. This will be going on your fifth place. Correct. Yeah. A lot. yeah. 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 That's a lot. It's, it is a lot. <laughs> I mean, and I've just lived in my one shitty house. That's all. Well, uh, you know, you've all, you've had two RVs. I guess I've had two RVs in the podcast too. That's true. Yeah. Um, I did winterize it because it got cold here all of a sudden. Yeah, it got cold here too. I didn't winterize mine, but well, yours is stored inside. Yeah, but it's not heated, but it ain't cold either. Yeah, it got down to like twenty eight or something here a couple of days ago. I winterized the sports racer the other day. So. Okay, well that's that's something. It's sitting in the trailer outdoors, so the trailer is insulated. But yeah, yeah, it got down to I think thirty the other day. So I thought, well, I should probably dump a gallon of coolant in this thing and let it piss all over the floor of the trailer because the trailer has holes in it. The trailer is like perfect for this. It, uh, it, I just let it. I opened a hose up and like leak all over the floor, <laughs> and it all fell out on the parking lot. Jeez. 
Uh, it's so nice to have like trash things. But, like, <laughs> dude, buying nice stuff is so overrated, dude. Just buy a bunch of trash and like they, they all have their positives. <laughs> like yeah. nice stuff is nice, but then you got to keep it nice. But like sort of trash, 100% usable things. You're like, man, this is like a sort of trash usable thing. I'll like, just like, like our fits. Yeah, and like this trailer, like when I roll the sports racer out in the spring, I'll be like, man, that's a coolant stain right there. Yep. And I'll be like, wipe, wipe, done. <laughs> I fired it up in the trailer, just let it idle for half an hour, like kept dumping some coolant in, like pull the hose off again. Like I had this little like hose off of the thermostat housing and I just let it like piss all over the floor. I'm like, huh, this is funny. <laughs> It's the best, dude. Having junk stuff is way more fun. Like fits, so much better than having nice cars. Just so much better, dude. So much better. Well, I, I mean, with the number of miles that I'm driving, like, uh, I really would like to own a Civic Type R. I would really like to have one. Yeah, but, you, but 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 if you think like about appreciating the daylights out of it, well, if you think about what my life and lifestyle is today. Yeah. Uh, there is no point at all to have one. It'd be so dumb. Because as a road car, I don't want to drive it to work because it would just, it would be burning miles, endless, monotonous highway miles on right. a Type R. Why would I want to do that? That's not Wait, a You know what? Dude, a Honda Fit is so fun too because you can just go matted, wide open throttle all the time. Yeah. Like all the time. And you're like, huh, I'm not even speeding it. Well, and like, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think many people consider themselves this, but, uh, I would not say that I am cheap. What I would say is that I choose to spend my money on things that are important to me. And I've got to say that filling the fit up with nine gallons worth of fuel and driving it for two weeks, uh, is awesome. It's pretty awesome. I went, I drove three and a half hours to Putnam and drove every session, except I missed the first session because we were a little bit late. And every session, every lap, uh, and I filled it up at lunch. It was like down, we left it like half a tank. We got there, did one session, went and filled it up, drove all the way home, filled it up again. And I think I spent $45 in fuel or $50 in fuel, like maybe 60. I don't remember, but it's, I'm putting like piss water gas in this thing. Yeah. And just wailing on the thing. <laughs> like it's so easy. Agreed. Yeah. It's so easy. Like you don't need to put premium and you don't need to have the potential of speed uh, at any foot input. Like, yeah. The only way to make the fist, uh, the fit go fast is to wring its neck. Dude, but he, and then it still gets 28 miles per gallon. So I cut the muffler off of mine. And when I'm, when you're decelerating in basically any gear uh, and you just like tap the throttle, just tap, 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 and you're decelerating, it like burbles and pops like a, <laughs> like a burble tune BMW. Cool. And it makes it, it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's so fun. It's the stupidest thing. But it makes it's it's probably made me smile about six hundred times. So it's the best deal, dude. They're they're so good. I can't believe I didn't buy one earlier. It's just great. I freaking love it. We took it down to Brown County last weekend. We went to uh, we camped at a KOA. In Did you County. dolly it or what? Yeah, I tow dollied it behind the RV. Sweet. Went to a KOA. Uh, we couldn't get a spot at the at the state at state park or whatever. At the it's Indiana uh, park prime leaf park. season down here still. Dude, it's, it was really pretty down there. Uh, so Brown County is about 30, 40 minutes south of Indianapolis. So it's kind of in between like Indianapolis and you. Um, and about 20, 30 minutes off of I-65. It's kind of like Brown County State Park is up on top of them. It's like, it's like a mountain, basically. You just drive up the mountain and down the mountain. And the State Park campground is on top of the mountain. Uh, but there's also this cute, cute little like craft town called Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. Like, yeah, right outside of it and stuff. There's a bunch of good restaurants and stuff. And, um, my uh, my basic white chick uh, wife loves all the craft stores and everything. And well, my you, basic... you are yourself a basic white chick. 
Uh, that yeah, reminds me, my, I also you, have you go to Brown County often. Have you ever been to Bloomington? No, I don't think so. Bloomington is we, lovely. We go, there once go. A, we go there once a year. We don't go there often. Well, year, in the time that I've known you, you have gone many times. That's that's yeah. often. We didn't go last year, but yeah. Um, my seven-year-old is a basic white chick also. They went in every freaking store, and there's hundreds of stores there. They went in every store. It was, I don't even want to see the credit card bill. Um, yeah, I totally the fit down and then me and the dog drove around all day while the girls were shopping and stuff. And me and the dog are like finding back roads and doing like fake hill climbs. <laughs> it was so fun. What's, it. what's the dog's name again? Dog's name is the new dog's name is Blossom. That's lovely. She's a good girl, man. She's like two, a little over two years old. Loves walks, loves chilling on the couch. Totally, uh, totally the nicest dog I think I've ever met as far as like when you like meet a dog and uh, like whenever she meets a person, she's like five seconds cautious, smells your legs. And then she's like, Hey, I think we're best friends, bro. Uh, like she's, she's probably a terrible guard dog, but uh, barely barks really good dog though. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on this dog. So. That's cool. So uh, the schedule is 10. Oh. Let's talk about, Let's talk about yeah. 2022 because I already had people messaging me today about when tickets are going to go on sale for Coda. I don't know. Probably January. Probably. January. They should probably go on sale. They should probably go on sale sooner than that, though. Probably. Well, I mean, it's it's sort of like a when do we put them on sale because you made that money in this year and then I don't know. We should probably talk to the accountant actually. But, um. Yeah, we've got, we're starting off with, uh, off with uh, the CODA GLTC-only event in conjunction with Superlab. I like CODA, obviously. And then what do we go to? We go into, which one's first, AMP? Mid, yeah, that's right. Mid uh, Atlanta Motorsports Park, mid-March. And then I think two weekends later, the next weekend, I think it's two weekends later, is, no, it's the next weekend, I think, is uh, Button Willow. Um, or not, but Willow, Willow Springs. Um, we're doing a couple of different configurations of Willow. We're 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 doing Horse Thief Mile and then Big Willow. And Big then Willow. I bet and Kevin Burke is going to be all over that one. Man, I I uh, I still think about being scared in that Viper. Um, that dude won like everything that he competed in that Viper this year. It's true. Uh, yeah, it was pretty fast. And then we're doing uh, I think on Sunday only we're doing Horse Thief Mile for drift cars and uh, at Willis Springs. So that'll be cool. It's it's sort of like it's the weekend before the Long Beach Grand Prix drift stuff for Formula D. So the thought is that all the Formula D dudes will try to break their cars and then have a week to fix them in between because they're only like an hour, hour and a half from Formula, from Formula Drift at Long Beach. So we'll see. Um, should be fun. Should be fun. Fun little event. No GLTC. It'll probably be track battle maybe a special stage of sorts, uh, maybe two separate competitions. We're not sure. So some of that is TBD. Well, speaking of, uh, of TBD, you and I, well, all of us need to go through the GLTC rules and we also need to, uh, look at whether or not any changes are necessary for the track battle rules for the coming year. I have started, I shared it with you the other day, I started a draft of 2022 track battle rules. Um, and so I have put Sunday Cup and Club TR into the same document now. Makes sense. And so it's all in one document, which Sunday Cup and track battle and Club TR have been in a different place than track battle. Um, because at first they were considered like subclasses, but they're not subclasses anymore. These are classes that we do. And... Um, and they've found their home and they have found like good competition and good celebration. It's, it's stuff that we do. So it's all in one place now. Um, I think the biggest thing uh, wording wise that I want to do is some clarifications in, in club TR uh, and in Sunday cup. I think the rest of the rules are in pretty good, pretty good. Like they're in pretty good place. Like they're, they're they don't suck. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the dog boxes and, and street mud are the biggest thing that everybody keeps bothering me about. <laughs> so, uh, I'll be honest. I just, I just, I don't want it. Don't want dog boxes. I don't want it. 
So I've I've thought about dog boxes in factory transmission cases as being allowed, um, but you and I can talk about that off this. So. Yeah, I I don't know. I just uh, it, it's it's just not a thing that comes on a streetcar. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of things in street ride that don't come on streetcars. <laughs> not too we many. Can, uh, well, there's quite a bit actually. Speaking of. Uh, I would like to just congratulate Jackie Ding and Eric Fleming at a very successful weekend at Road Atlanta this weekend. Yeah, super freaking fast, man. They're uh, both Eric Fleming had a 23, uh, which in his car is just moving. It's like a built NA motor, G Speed built Corvette with a sequential, right? Yep. And but it he's doesn't make run crazy that car uh, many many times uh in in events that we've been at or or were running it's a super reliable right. setup uh for yeah, him since I, like think 2019, it's just, I think yeah it's, it's just uh it's a car to turn laps in and it yeah. is fast yeah full uh, cage uh beautiful c uh c6 right yep um and it's like a i think it's like a built 427 or something like that i, I don't know 468 some big ls motor but na and uh yeah 23 is a stupid fast especially in traffic <laughs> it's so fast and then other grid life driver jackie ding in i couldn't tell you what class it's it's one of the unlimited classes but he basically ran street mod trim but ran a 275 hoosier i think they were both in the same class so okay. beat him and then jackie was p2 i think okay three um, Jackie did a 24 six and that is bad. really fast. What's our, uh, what's our street mod record there from 2019? Do you know, um, 31, 30 or 28, something like that. I forget. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Um, yeah, real fast. That's real. 24 is stupid fast. And, uh, yeah. He yeah, uh, right. he did. He even sent me a picture. Um, hundred was hundred and one min speed. Hundred point nine was his minimum speed into turn one. That is so fast. That's twelve miles an hour faster than I've ever wanted to go through there in a CRX and Hoosiers. So, and I uh, <laughs> I asked Aaron about it. Um, GLTC cars are really really quick in the corners. Right. And he said that uh, a really dialed GLTC setup should be like 95, 96. Yeah. Cool. And also like a thousand to 500 pounds lighter than Jackie. Yeah. And only on a little bit smaller Hoosiers. Like Jackie's on 275s. Like a GLTC car is going to be on 245s to 225s. Like, which measure out not that much smaller. That's really, really fast in a stock bottom end super. <laughs> yeah. Freaking well, I mean, stupid. It's, it's it's a stock bottom end. It's a as far as I know, it's a stock, you know, head. And I think the entire I think the entire long block is the same. It's got a different turbo setup, different air cooler. Yeah, like exterior um, bolt on stuff. And even the trans is stock, which I just think is yeah, cool. Really, really fast. And like the suspension is all like, hey, you can buy this off the off the off the shelf and bolt it on. And if you can drive like a crazy Chinese American madman, <laughs> you can uh, you can go real real fast. And like that's, that chassis is ridiculous. It's and, uh, and Jackie and, and Alex have really dialed it. <laughs> it's pretty dumb. <laughs> it's fast. And I it's saw so on dumb, their Instagram dude. they had like. A half dozen or more Supras competing this weekend. Yeah, and a bunch of buddies. They're of bringing a bunch more to Grid Life next year. I love it, man. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool to see that chassis. Like, uh, it seems like find it seems like it it found a home in like like the car is so good already, but uh, but a lot of people have started like supporting it enough uh, that it's. That like the, the the right parts have came out. Like when it was just a BMW, what Z4 or whatever. Like nobody cares. But now that it's Supra, uh, all the parts are there, and the people are driving it, and the people are beating the snot out of it, and 
crashing it and going real fast and stuff. Uh, and it's it's really cool to see a chassis like evolve like that and to see the knowledge base grow. And uh, and Jackie's been a big part of that, which is very cool. Yeah, actually, um, I had someone reach out to me about some you know safety related questions to his uh, A ninety Supra, right? Uh, for grid life and like what we would need. And I thought about it and I was like, well, it would be silly for me to answer this question uh, as a non expert when uh, I can just point them to Jackie and just say like, Jackie knows what's going on. Uh, you should meet Jackie. And yeah. uh, apparently that was enough to now, now Jackie's got another guy in the crew. Good. Yeah. So yeah, Jackie's got a good, it's got good safety and it's got good seats and harnesses and it's got a roll bar and, uh, and like and, everything on it is stuff that a person can just go buy. Right. It's it's like the epitome of going fast and just bolting it on too. Yeah. And obviously there's a ton of setup like uh, like test and tune and change this and fix that and dial this in and tire differences and like changing suspension and camber and caster and blah blah blah. Like, but but like that car is not something you couldn't just buy all the parts and build it. Yeah. If you had if you had like. If you had the time and the knowledge of Jackie, which I think he's willing to sell you, <laughs> I think you could go really stupid fast. Yeah. Like with barely a car that like, and, and like you could drive the car to the gas station and fill it up. Like this thing doesn't need, it's not a built motor sequential crazy car. Like it's so freaking stupid fast. And it barely, it's like a plug the plug a computer in tune kind of car. It's like on the factory ECU. It's really nuts. Like it's nuts how fast that car is. Yeah, I don't know, man. Borderline stupid. And like this is the kind of stuff that like in 15 years ago, if you would have said like, oh, guess what you can do to a 2005 Evo? And I would have been like, not that. Like, well, I, I think for the last couple of years on the show, I've I've said that if your interest is time attack, yeah. uh, and you don't already have a chassis that you are working with because it used to be your streetcar, right? It makes a lot of sense to look at the rule book first, and then look at which chassis you can afford that is fastest from the factory, and then only go so far as to do bolt-on parts. Right. This um, is like this is like this high as you get in that in that world as um, far as like we've ever seen. Like Evos and Subarus and and a bunch of other cars with built motors and built trans and built diffs and built transfer cases all that stuff. Yeah. Um all of that stuff I mean you can make those cars fast if you are willing to put the money into all of those things. That's a big if, though. But that's a big if. It's, I mean, I don't know. It, it just that seems Supra's a whole lot easier expensive. to bolt on parts. <laughs> that super is not as expensive as it should be for how fast you can make it go. Sure. But I don't know. I don't know what he's got for a diff. It's uh, factory. But like, is it a factory diff? I believe so. That's really dumb. Like, if that's a factory diff, and even if you had to put an OS kick in or something in, that's like. I mean, you know, you'd think a couple of grand's not the end of the world, but like it's basically a couple of grand. But like if it's a factory diff, that is borderline dumb. How fa how good that car is. It's frustrating. Yeah. When I a couple a couple of years ago when he ordered it, like like when the Supras came out, I was talking to him talking to him like it was right on PRI twenty nineteen, I think or twenty eighteen. When did those things come out? I forget. Um it was about six months before he got it or five months before he got it. And he was like, I just ordered one of these. Don't tell anybody. And I was like, oh, man, that seems like a pain in the ass. Like, this kid's freaking nuts. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's cool, man. Congrats. And uh, I was nervous for him. Like, I didn't think it would I didn't think it would work that well. And the first couple of events, like, obviously the car's fast because he's wheeling it. And it's a good layout and it makes good power. I drove his old white one, the, the wrecked one that they bought for a little uh -huh. while. And, like, even stock, like, that thing is fast in a straight line. Like, real stupid fast. Um, they're, like, high 11-second cars out of the box. Like, they're not slow. But, um, like, I, I was nervous that he was going to do well. But, dude, I mean, 
it's stupid how fast the car's gotten and how much they've figured it out. And all these hurdles that like he and the rest of the community have jumped through and all of his sponsors and partners, obviously like have helped AMS and, and everybody from, from little to big, but like, like you, you, this is like the culmination of how fast you can like pushing, pushing low twenties at Royal Atlanta. That's like so dumb. That's so fast. It's well, I, I'd be interested for some, some comment. <laughs> if anyone is listening, um, like a GT three RS is yeah. a car that is probably uh, comparable level of performance. Probably and similar in price w- tag to require. What, 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 is, what does a GT3 RS do at Road Atlanta? I'm sure we can look that up. Probably similar. It's going to be a little slower, I'm sure. But All right. You keep uh, talking. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. It's uh, the... The Supra, it, it it seems like it's just better than the some of the part, some of its parts and what it should be able to do. Like, but I guess if you threw the equivalent amount of modifications at a GT3 RS or GT2 or something like that, you could go a little faster. But um, I don't know. It's uh, it's real freaking fast, man. That's that's freaking fast. Getting in the mid low twenties is fast at Road Atlanta. It's two seconds faster than a GT3 RS at Road Atlanta. Yeah, I bet. And two seconds at a big power track like that, that's like that's like three, three and a half, four seconds at a, at a mid-level track like Gingerman for those of, you know, a lot of our audience is from the Midwest and they know Gingerman or like a button willow even. It'd be like three, four seconds at a button willow probably. Um, yeah, that's fast, man. That's stupid. Pretty dumb. And to think that he doesn't want to like continue in the development of this car. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> it's well, too much. Oh, so hold on. I just, I just wanted to check. Um, it's also faster than Randy Pope's driving a GT2 RS. Really? Yeah. What's Randy drive at Road Atlanta? Twenty four eighty eight. Jeez. What's a GT2 RS make like? Five fifty? Uh, no, I think it's like seven something. Good grief! Are they really that fast? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Jackie's car makes like, I think it's like mid high sixes, which is it's a lot, but like, it ain't the it ain't the horsepower making that car go. <laughs> yeah, that that arrow is uh, good. Yeah, it's good arrow, and like obviously we saw the mile per hour difference versus like a sorted out GLTC cars five to eight miles per hour, like that's real fast. So word i don't know it's pretty fun to see our friends do cool shit though we have a lot of friends doing cool shit right now well uh ferris seems like he's doing cool stuff too he's he's getting on the uh the the cfd arrow train and uh hopefully by coda he'll be all dialed in i want what did he run at coda last year two oh to a seven to eight seven I don't remember exactly. I don't know. Quote is off the top of my head. But he ran a 204 at Road America. And we've seen across a bunch of different classes, those cl- those two tracks being pretty close. Yeah, almost in- identical, given that, like, they're not at all the same in terms of layout and style. But, like, you take one the car, lap put, times the same, like identical. Yeah, put the same car in a similar, you know, temperature and similar day. And they're, like, within a few tenths, so. Um, it'd be really cool to see him get sub two minutes at Coda. He's got more time at Coda than Road America, I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, he lives in Texas. I know he's done more than two events at Coda. So, um, yeah, that, uh, it'd be cool to see what he would do at Road America without a blown head gasket or two. So, right. Yeah. I've been emailing with Road America, um, even today and, um, so we're talking about 2023 because we're, because October, which is where our date lie, uh, our lied last this year, last year, like that's where our, what do you call it? First right of refusal. There's another name for it. Um, your date, your uh, date's like grandfathered, right? Yeah. Grandfathered in yeah, historical date. Um, that's going to be during their full track repave, which is the full month of October. Uh, of 2022 so i asked them like because we had talked about it like 
um, phone calls and stuff like that. But like I said, can we expect to, you know, reasonably have this date in October uh, of 2023? And they said, yeah. Um, so it does sound like we have a date there in 2023. I'm going to probably press everybody else in leadership at Good Life to maybe do a one day HPDE there to like keep our, 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 our foot in the, in the door there at Road America, oh, but, uh, probably won't be anything track battle wise or anything, but, uh, yeah. So it does look like we have decent, like decent, uh, chance of our same weekend uh, next year or year after next, which is cool. So. Gotcha. I did, dude, I, I grew to really love that track uh, a couple weeks ago. I loved it. Like I loved it. I did not think I would like it at all. Because uh, I drove, I drove it once before, and it was like this track is dumb. It's so many straightaways, and it's so boring. And put me in a spec fit, dude. I freaking love everything. In spec fit. My so my thought is, um, that I think this also applies to places like PPIR, and there will be people who aren't particularly excited about some track that we might go to. But I think it is generally true that anytime you're trying to drive uh, your absolute best and get perfection and set a personal best, anytime right. you do that, it's going to be fun. Well, it's especially if you have competition. Like if the parity is good between you and your competitor, um, it's going to be a blast. Like that was the first time I did Time Attack, and I was like, holy shit, I'm in the mix. <laughs> this is the coolest. It was so fun, man. And obviously, like, uh, you know, Michael and Kyle were out front, but, like, me and James, man, I almost kicked that dude. I almost kicked him off, off the podium, dude. <laughs> it, was, it was so fun, man. I had the best time, and I want to do it again. I'm stoked about it. And Fortune Auto, who has been a bit of a supporter of ours, uh, they're coming out with a, uh, a new camber caster plate, uh, which requires no cutting for the first and second gen fits. So they just debuted that at SEMA. So I might invest myself into a set of five tens for the fit. We'll have to see. So um, I also should probably. Um, they haven't like become a sponsor of mine, but they've said hey, they there. would. Yeah, you there? Yeah, I. Uh, sorry, I had a uh, a baby toy that was making some noise on the call. Oh, I hate it when a baby toy. Did that. So I had to shut it off. Sorry, no, I was just going to let fine. you tell your story and hope no, that you wouldn't talking- notice. I was talking about fortunes, fortune building some cool new stuff for fits, which is cool. So oh, camera yeah? caster plates and stuff. Yeah. They're doing, they're coming up with a new, like no cut the shock, the, the, the strut tower, uh, camera caster plate for the front of first and second gen fits. So that'll be fun. I'm, uh, um, I'm ready for that. So when those become available, I'll be buying some. I think they don't, they don't give as much cam or caster as some people want. Um, which is one complaint that I've heard, but I got to talk to them. It's they, they only in like they only unveiled a, uh, a prototype. So, uh, the, I was talking with the guys at winning formula and their argument is you don't want to have the best for, uh, prepped Sunday cup car. That should never yeah. be the goal. The, the goal <laughs> should always to be the second story. best car. Yeah, it, the the most fun comes in the, well, I only had this and I still ran this. <laughs> like, I think, so, like, I see where they're coming from. And I had a lot of bragging rights in the, I ran a 1.0 or a 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever I ran uh, at, at given tracks on cut springs. And I only had a sway bar and brake pads. Exactly. Um, like there is, there's, there's a lot of fun in that. <laughs> so like if, if I did, if I did buy a set of fortune five tens or whatever and camber caster plates and whatever, 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 like, yeah, the car would go faster. Um, Cause the car feels like it's going to roll over in transitions. I mean, the spring rates are just not ideal, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it's real properly crazy. Um, like hang on for dear life in that like left, right transition, well, right transition. But uh, it, like, there is a lot of fun to be had in the, 
I only went a second slower than you, or I only went four tenths slower than you, and I literally attacked my car with a cutoff wheel. Well, last and week. the the other thing, and this is, I'm trying to do it the opposite of what I did with the Evo is, um, okay, Aaron Aaron drove my car at Putnam, and he was a second and a half faster than me, uh, in the exact same setup, on the same day. Uh, I could I could modify the car and and make it different or even conceivably a little bit faster than it is, uh, but it doesn't close that gap. It doesn't make me a better driver. I mean, it might close the gap, but it wouldn't make him a better driver. Well, but yeah. it would close the gap for him too. Yeah, no, I mean, if it, it might close the gap in time, but then you have to put him back in, and it probably doesn't. Yeah, so. so uh, until until we're driving the same laps and I I'm doing perfect laps after lap, there's really no reason to modify other than to make it more reliable so that you can do more laps. So I was thinking about this on the way back from Putnam, um, and I haven't thought about this hobby in this way in a while. Um, but so since I bought this stupid fit and drove this fit at Road America and now Putnam and. Um, and like thousands of miles across the country and stuff. Um, I haven't thought about this, this hobby and the sport and like what it means to me uh, in probably a decade in this way, but it has really like, it's changed how I look at what we're doing on a racetrack because I've had the same dumb Honda Civic, my GLTC car, which used to be a track day car. It was like before we really did time attack here, it was a time attack car. It went really, really fast. It was a, low 11 high 10 second car and a quarter mile which 12 years ago was a big deal um and it was always like the do more uh, try more work more blah blah and so i never got the seat time but it, the car was always like i was always trying to improve the car and not, not trying to improve me um and even up until like a year ago like i had tried a bunch of different data stuff i had tried aim solos uh, garmin sent me a prototype to review of the catalyst which i still have and i play with that sometimes um and we've got apex pro stuff uh you've got a gen 2 i've got a gen 1 and like i'm still just like diving into the data of that and trying to make myself a little better like oh look at that min speed i'm kind of being a bitch right there you know uh, is bitch is bitch politically incorrect am i allowed to say that i don't even know um but like you look at like the buying a Honda Fit and buying something stupid, but like just all you need to do is improve yourself. And at some point, like seat time and like working on yourself, uh, maybe we should all focus on that a whole lot more. Well, and, and <laughs> like I mean, a lot, I don't want to be a contrarian, but like, I'm not convinced that just driving more laps, like pure street. Uh, I'm not convinced pure, seat time is all that it takes to get better. No, I think, I think there is something to be said for like seat time. I think, you know, once you're at a certain level, you plateau and that's kind of a known thing, right? Like you're going to plateau, but all those little, uh, all those laps of seat time, even if you don't learn anything, you don't get any faster. Like they do, they build up your bank of situations. So like, oh, what if that E30 in front of me slammed its brakes and I had to get crossed up and get around him or like not avoid or um, situational awareness of corner workers or like issue, issues on track, like, oh, there's oil in turn five and like car got sideways and, or, you know, just training your brain, like building up your bank of like this is all tools. Like you're even if you're not learning anything, you're still you're hardening your tools in the toolbox. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like lap times uh, don't mean as much if you just get one of them. If you get seventy five of the same lap time, you did learn things in seventy four or seventy five of those laps. Sure. Do you know? Yeah. Like they all mean something. Um, just just laying down laps constantly. You do a whole day and you don't improve your best lap time. Like you might feel like you didn't get anywhere, but you did a whole, you know, like what's a whole day at Putnam or Gingerman at like a five, six session HPDE. You're probably getting 150 track miles. You're probably getting 75 laps, whatever. Um, 
like seven that's 75 times passing turn five and like two of those times you might have had to like look at a blue or yellow flag and like your eyes come up and you look ahead and like all those little things um they build you in a better driver like just the tiny situations that don't even mean anything that you don't think about um like those things also count when you're on your fastest lap potentially like or when you're in this heated battle with your opponent in a time attack or a wheel-to-wheel race uh, and everything's on the line and you're in a thousand horsepower car someday having 2,000 laps in some dumb forgettable car like those things do they do come into like seat time always I think seat time always wins uh, regardless of your outcome in the given day at the very least being able to say that you're very um uh, able to predict how the car will respond to oh, the yeah. upcoming yeah. scenario. Um, yeah. That is where seat time, I think, is absolutely huge. One of the biggest things that I, um, I, I, I never forget this when I do have the ability to like adjust my suspension, which is only recently because of the fortunes, because um, I had non-adjustable bill scenes forever. But I, I read something from Andy Hollis one time, and he was like, make no small adjustments at first. Um, his, his advice was like, all right, when you're trying to learn something, change it as much as you physically can, uh, session to session and like, and then bring the increments like, in, like slower towards each other. Like if you have a sway bar that's got four notches, go from one to four and then try two and three, you know, <laughs> like know what the big change is versus the, the little change. Um, and I think that's pretty good advice. Like if you've got 32 way adjustables, try two and 30 and then work your way towards each other, you know? Solid. Yeah. I, I think that's, a, that's probably pretty good advice. I wonder how his, uh, how Andy's like, don't no McLaren 720s have like mag ride and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I wonder if he has to adjust those. Maybe. I don't know. He's probably going to hit the reset button when the check engine light comes on. So uh, last thing, because we've we've been at this for more than an hour now. It looks like Paul Curley is building a GLTC car, so that'll be cool. Damn it. (laughs) Do you know who else is building GLTC cars? Everybody. Sean Krebsback is building one. Yeah. Uh, That sucks. That That makes my life harder and everybody else's life harder. Who else is building one? There's somebody else uh, recently that just announced one. Oh, uh, Peter Zhang just bought a GLTC car. I mean, it is, uh, it is, I think Adam Nielsen would fight me for saying this, but I, I think there is an element of um, driver progression. Dude, it's, it's the Time Attack retirement home, but it also is like, I mean, it's a fun place to play. It's really hard. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's it is a it new gets. and challenging experience, right? Time Attack is um, qualifying, right? And uh, the rulebook is largely open, and uh, people will get enjoyment out of that. Um, right. But if you if you can have that experience in a weekend and get some wheel to wheel racing on top of that, well, that that seems great. Why not do that? What's Paul going to build? Uh, Paul, I believe it is a Paul Corvette. Is a, Paul's is a wild C5 right now. Yeah, uh, really, he's, he's really a, fast. Uh, like King of the Mountain type build uh, for his. He put, yeah, he put 285s on it and ran street mod with us. And did he win or he podiumed like every time he's been with us? But... Yeah, ran really, really well. And now has, it looks like a... Uh, C five Z O six, uh, to build for GLTC. I'm I'm not gonna spoil what. So Peter Zhang has ran street bound with us forever in a Subaru, and he had a really, really, really hard off, uh, and I think broke his back, uh, minorly at uh, at Midwest Festival. Um, in turn three, went straight across the sand trap, breaks to the floor, straight across the sand trap. Uh, like I think he said it was a five or six G impact into the sand wall there. Um, and did have a minor fracture in his back. That's why it's Friday and Saturday or Saturday night. I think I forget what night he 
he crashed on Saturday morning, I think. Um, he was in a wheelchair Saturday and Sunday. And uh, it was because he literally couldn't stand up. And it took him like a month to be able to like have all of his faculties again. But luckily it was like one of the kinds of broken back that, yeah, it'll just get better and it's okay. But just a fractured piece, I forget what it was, but L7 or L2 or something like that. Um, so he ran this crazy Subaru with us for years. And yeah, it's a six, seven horsepower Subaru. Like, so it's not reliable and it has problems constantly. And, um, and now I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but, uh, he ran a couple of GLTC races in like a chump car style Integra that him and a bunch of the dudes over at what's their Instagram handle. I forget. Um, they became quite a team. They have like uh, a not fast. Of, yeah. Team, not fast. They, uh, they, they bought an Integra and he ran a couple of GLTC races or one or two, I forget. Um, and this card that he bought could easily be a very, very competent, like street mod track mod car. Or if you take a few hundred horsepower out of it, uh, it could be a GLTC car. Like uh, he just picked it up last night. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for his new build. That'll be fun to watch. So. All right. Well, uh, we better end the show because I want to hear what this car is. Yeah. Um, thank you for everyone uh, who listens and thank you to the patrons. Uh, if you're interested in supporting uh, our Patreon, there is a special deal for uh, uh, supporters for a nicely discounted apex pro and some additional hardware as part of a slip angle bundle. Um, if you sign up and you send me a message, I'll make sure that you get those details. Uh, please support the people that support us. And uh, also FCP thanks Euro. to FCP Euro. And How do uh, they get a hold of you, though, Abernatgrid.life? It's Abernatgrid.life, or it's Abernattractoon.com, or you can send me a message on Facebook. And then, yeah, FCP Euro, all the parts you buy are guaranteed for life. And apextrackcoach.com for Apex Pro Gear. The new Gen 2 stuff is out right now. And uh, I would say, I, I, I've already talked with Aaron about this. I would say that there will be an instance at some point in the near ish future where Adam and I go to Putnam and do uh, some shows and some testing with Civics and Fits. So. Yeah, I, I I would love to do un like uninterrupted testing because despite the fit having no straight line pace at all, I sure got into people's back bumpers a lot. <laughs> so made me feel pretty good, but it didn't give me all the cleanest laps in the world. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I I love Honda fits, man. That's bad. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again, hopefully, in a few days. Yeah, we're almost there, man. We're almost deep into winter where there's Abe gets a house. It's going to be great. I'm going to set up my stuff, and then we can record all the time. Man, I'm going to drive down and bother you for like 24 straight hours. We're like six shows in a row. By, sit, by show six, I'm going to be fall over drunk. It's going to be the best. All right. Talk to you later, buddies. All right, man. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Gridlife to say hello. Hello.